ourselves in. Uh, and so be praised, Holy Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, quick pop culture quiz for you. With great power comes great... Yeah, you guys know Spider-Man. All of the various editions of Spider-Man that there has been. With great power comes great responsibility. I mean, we see it. These are some of our most favorite stories that we cling to as a culture, that when, when something amazing happens in your life, when you are privileged with power or a position or, or blessings, we like to tell the script that you now have responsibility to use it well. Um, unfortunately, these are the stories that we tell ourselves and not the reality in which we live, because it seems that every other day in our newspapers, we're hearing about just one more politician that has used their power and authority uh, for self-interested gains. Uh, or as the Newsies said that musical of long ago, how about a crooked politician? Hey, stupid, that ain't news no more. Um, it just happens. Like we, we see it over and over again in society that as, as humanity, we're really bad about not abusing power. We're really bad at, at actually not just taking the abundant blessings that we've been given and using them for self-interested gains. So whether that's, you know, padding our bank accounts or using the people around us for our own sexual gratification as opposed to thinking about them, uh, humanity is, is really, really bad. And we as the church uh, have been known upon occasion to point fingers and to uh, go after culture and say, you all are, are super screwed up. But the reality is, is that we are perhaps just as guilty, if not more, of abusing or, or misusing or not living up to the responsibility of the amazing blessings that we have been given. See, in, in the book of Ephesians, Paul has been telling us that because of Christ Jesus, God has blessed us, the church, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. That's not a little thing. That's a really big thing. In fact, Paul's going to elaborate for like three chapters on all the goodness that God has poured into our lives. It's so much that by the time Paul gets to chapter three, Paul says, God, I, I pray for your supernatural strength for your people because this truth is just too heavy for them to grasp. I pray that you would enable them by your power to understand the incomprehensible. To, to know the unknowable, to be able to grasp how wide and high and deep and far is the love of God in Christ Jesus. Like without God's empowering presence with us, that truth of how much God loves you, it would just like crush us. <laughs> it's just too much blessing for us to possibly handle. It is so much that God has poured into our lives. And, you know, Spider-Man is not all wrong. With great privilege, with great power comes great responsibility. Paul thinks so too. And so in chapter 4, he says, now walk worthy of it. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. There's nothing that you could do to, to possibly like incentivize God to have provided all these things for you. But now that God has, now what? And Paul says, walk worthy of it. Live in light of it. And the first thing that Paul tells us to do as a church is perhaps not what you'd expect. He says, look at the person next to you and love them. Build the church. Christ died for that stranger who smells bad. Christ died for that person that you can't stand. Christ died for those people that on any other regular day you would never hang out with. And Christ died to make you one. So don't go screwing up the church. 
Don't mess up what Jesus did. Love the church and build it. See, there's this fantastic truth in the universe, and this is it, that the holy God has determined that the church needs you and that you need the church, that each one of us is gifted with certain things the church needs to grow up into maturity, to to look like Jesus. And each of us need things that the church brings to help us grow up to look like Jesus. First thing, what does it mean to walk worthy? It means build the church. See, and this morning, Paul's going to tell us the second thing about what it looks like to walk worthy of this immense calling that we have been called to. And what he's going to tell us is that we need to live holy life together. Now, I know holy is a church word. You know, if you, if you exit these doors, <laughs> I'm betting, like, you won't hear that word used, you know, except at Christmas time. Like, no one, no one knows the word holy used. And if you've been here a long time, you know my favorite illustration for the word holy is your grandmother's china dishes, all right? There's these special plates and bowls and cups in her house that have their own separate cabinet for keeping the holy dishes, and they come out on special occasions. And special occasions only. Why? Because they have been set apart for a unique task. All right? And if China is not your jam, uh, we'll try something else. I don't know if it's going to work as well. I'm told that professional MMA fighters never get in brawls at the bar. Why? Because they, they fight professionally. That's their livelihood. They wouldn't, they wouldn't waste their efforts if it's not for the money. Perhaps not the best metaphor, but this idea that like, no, 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 they are set aside for a special task, and they're not going to just do that on any normal occasion. You, Paul says, are a holy people. You have been called by God and set apart for something unique, something special. And so Paul's going to say, what does that mean? It means don't live like everyone else is living. Look differently. Look like Jesus. Look like God, which is kind of a tall task to grasp. And so Paul's going to break it down and get super practical in a number of areas about different ways to think, different ways to feel, different ways to act. And, and because we're, we're going, you know, in so many different directions this morning, I'm just telling you up front, this is what it's about. Walk worthy by living as a distinct people. So if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 17. This is what Paul says. He says, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, he means business, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They, you know, they, they apply their minds to problems, and it's not going to get them anywhere. He says, they're darkened in their understanding, and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And if you trace those uh, relationships, it all starts with the heart. When we reject God, when we reject his purposes for us as humanity, and our hearts grow hard, then we don't think right. Then we we don't perceive reality as it truly is. And so what goes, starts on the heart, goes to the head, and then works itself out in the hands, he says, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So a choice here affects our thinking up here and then works itself out in our hands. These people, they don't even feel. You guys, I, I feel like the, the best like, single example of this is, you know, perhaps 
stereotypical college spring break, or perhaps, you know, the homeless in the tent cities, they don't even get it. They don't even see how messed up this situation is. They don't feel anything, and so they chase after things that will help them feel something, whether alcohol, sex, drugs, like you name it, you know, ever-increasing amounts for ever-diminishing margins. And that's the way the world lives. They just chase after it. They're, they're greedy. We're just consuming one thing after another, after another, trying to, trying to find joy and satisfaction in life, and it's getting them nowhere. And, and before you think Paul is like bashing people who don't know Jesus, he just said two chapters early, he says, oh yeah, by the way, all of us once were just like them. We're, we're really no better. The only difference is God has done something dramatic, life-changing in our lives. And so now we're different, <laughs> uh, but not because we're exceptional human beings, but because we, we know an exceptional God. And so he continues in verse 20, he says, that, however, is not the way of life that you learned when you learned about Christ, and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Notice those words, a way of life you learned, you heard, you were taught accordance to the truth. We are schooled in Jesus. So if you want to know what this Christian life is, like, is Basic as I can make it, you look at Jesus, and then you follow his example. That's it. Jesus is the content. He is the teacher. He is the environment of everything that we're learning. We have learned something of Christ. And so Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's the goal, that we would be like God, truly righteous, truly holy, be the kind of people we are always meant to be. And we do that by, by progressively, incrementally, step by step, taking off this old life, changing our, our patterns of thought and behavior and thinking and putting on this new life, acquiring new patterns of thought and behavior and thinking, but there's this very crucial middle step that if we miss it, we're, we're not going to make this transition, and that is by being renewed in the thoughts of our mind, in the attitudes of our mind. So we want to go straight from like, stop doing that and start doing that, but we'll miss it if we're not changed up here. I mean, I don't know your addiction story. I try to be really open with mine. And we're going to get, you know, Paul's going to talk about sexual sins. But this, this is my story. Like, I was addicted to pornography. And, and this is how it worked. Yeah, uh, I, I want this. I live in this. I don't want to do this, but I can't stop, and I don't know how. And how many times did I say, all right, stop doing this, and I'm going to start fill in the blank. I'll, I'll exercise more. I'll read the Bible more. I'll just, like quit it. I'll live differently. And I failed so many times that I just began to despair that I would ever change. And of the many things that contributed to uh, walking out of that sin was the recognition that I need to have a, a heart change, a mind change. It began with me praying and saying, God, um, God, I actually want to sin. Believe it or not. Like I, I've been lying to myself for a long time about that. I, I want this. If I didn't want it, I wouldn't do it. And I can't change my desires, but you can. 
So I need you to change what's inside me because I don't possess the power to get down that deep and dig that junk out. I need you to do it. And through a change in thinking, then came the change in behavior. And this is what Paul is saying. We put off the old man together. Again, this is a plural you. He's talking to a community. We together. Stop living like that. Start living like that by changing the way we're thinking up here. So now, Paul's going to give us example after example after example. Stop doing this. Start doing this. And here's, here's how you're supposed to think about it. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. No more lies. Tell each other the truth. Why? Because we belong to each other. This is how you need to think about it. Like when, you, when we lie to each other in the church, in a way we're lying to ourselves. We have been made one body in Jesus. And so we need to speak the truth in love. I said that earlier. All right. It's a new way of thinking to empower a new way of behaving. He'll go on. He says, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. All right, so here's an attitude we need to adopt. All right, anger, yet we're going we're gonna to get angry. Paul acknowledges that. But the way that we act and the way that we think when we're angry needs to change. He says, don't sin. Don't enact revenge for yourself. Don't lose control and do bad things. Don't let your anger simmer and, and hold on to it for a really long time. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. We all know people who've, who've lost it while angry and did some really terrible things, and you can't get it back. So we, as the people of God, need to be different with our anger. So, you know, general rule of thumb, don't go to sleep angry. It, it's a good one. I heard a story about one couple. They said, we made a pact when we got married. We will never go to bed angry and the longest that we've been awake is three days. Um, I don't think it's, you know, it's not a, a diehard law, but it's a good idea. Resolve your anger as quickly as possible. Why, why? Well, Paul said earlier that God is actually angry with us or, or with people who don't follow Jesus, that we were children of wrath. We were under his anger. You want to know how God responded to humanity when he was angry with them? He sent his son to die on their behalf to rescue and redeem and make them his family. So, so we should be careful what we do in our anger. We're meant to look like God. He says, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. All right, so quit stealing catalytic converters and go work for a mechanic and fix people's cars. Sorry, I see that on Nextdoor all the time. People are like, yeah, I got robbed too. So like, if, if you live your life preying on other people and taking from them, you're, you need to quit it. That's not the kind of life Jesus calls us to live anymore. The point is that we would be generous. Rather than taking from people, we should be giving to people. Rather, rather than ruining their lives, we should be blessing their lives by being generous because this is what God has done for us. So, so whether your, your life is a thief, uh, well, actually, if your life is that of a thief, whether on the legal or the illegal side of thieving from people, quit it. Do honest work and be generous because God has blessed us. And don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Oh, God, help me with this one. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up 
according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. See, this is why it takes the power of God. Like, don't, don't speak anything unless it's actually going to be for the good of others. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. God has put, like, God, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, has come and lived in your life. So if you wouldn't drive there with your grandmother in the back seat, don't go there because God's presence is with you. And if you wouldn't watch that with your kids around or with, you know, that company, like, maybe don't watch it because God is with you. And if you would never say that, if people were recording you on their iPhones, then maybe don't say it because the holy presence of God is with you. And when he, when he sees sin, it just makes him sad. Don't, don't make God sad. <laughs> and Paul says, and get rid of all bitterness, all rage and anger, brawling, love that word, and slander along with every form of malice. Like all of these things, get rid of it all. Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. Why? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. So follow God's example. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. All right? Put on, you know, God-sized shoes and walk around in clothes too big for yourself because you love him, because he's the one that we're, we can't take our eyes off of. You know, be, be the kind of, of Christians that are always singing, Dad, I want to be like you. I just want to be like you, look like him to one another. He says, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, just as a, uh, as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So, so just as once upon a time before we knew Jesus, we were people who gave ourselves up to doing whatever made us feel good in the moment. So now, follow Jesus' example and give ourselves up to God on behalf of other people. See, it all comes back to Jesus. This is his example that he did. He made the most significant change that anyone in human history has ever made as he went from living for himself and he showed us that we were meant to live for others. Like, that's, that's what life is supposed to be about. Live for the sake of others. Be like God who is always blessing, always giving, always loving. And he cares for us, and he has, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Paul says, walk worthy. How? By living a distinctive life. Don't be like everyone else. You're not the same as everyone else. Why? Because of what God has done for you. And Paul says, now, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Ugh. God, that's hard. Have you seen American culture recently? Um, this, is, this is it. Sexual, and he uses these really general words, like anything that is out, you know, any form of sexual desire or expression that falls outside the bounds of a covenant relationship between a man and a woman. Just none of it. None of it. This is how we live a distinct life. God is faithful with us. Be faithful to one another. And, and no more greed. Don't want things that you don't have. I feel like I still don't understand this enough. I think I'm too into it. I know I'm greedy. That much I am very clear on. But 
But how to talk about it? I'm still not sure, but it shouldn't be among us. He says, these are improper for God's holy people. There should be no obscenity, no foolish talk, nor, no coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. See, that's what we're made for, is giving thanks. We have better use of words than culture does. We don't, we don't use our words for, you know, for the gutter. You know, we, we take our minds and our bodies and our thoughts and our words out of the gutter, and we live differently. Why? Because of what God has done for us. We're meant to give thanks to God. And this much I know about greed is that if, you can't, if you're not giving thanks to God for what you have, um, then there's a problem. Like if I can't you know, desire something without also thanking God for what I have, then, then I've gone too far. So whatever it is, uh, we got to be careful there. Paul says, for this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Don't, don't take part in this. We were meant for something better. We were meant for something more. Why? Because we've learned about Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. And, and so let us not pretend that these things are not that big of a deal. No, they're a huge deal. God's wrath comes upon humanity because of these things. And yes, and God loves those that he's wrathful with. So, you know, it doesn't mean uh, don't hang around non-Christians. It doesn't mean don't have anything to do with the world out there. It means don't be an active part with them. So, this can look, you know, at this point, your imagination can run wild. When your work buddies are inviting you out to go to the strip club after work, you can say, no, I, I can't, I don't go there. Instead, I'm going to go hang out with some of God's people, or I'm going to go home to my wife and kids and just be faithful to them. That's it. Just don't take a part in it. Don't, don't go along with the crowd. Just kindly step out and live a different kind of life. And you know what? That's going to make a difference. Because Paul says, you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So, you know, here's Here's what, if you're wondering about something, is it good? Is it right? Is it true? Is it scandal proof? Is it audit ready? All right, if, if your boss showed up right now, would it be okay? If your wife showed up right now, would it be okay? Live, live a shadow free existence because God has made you light. He says, and, and find out what pleases the Lord, which is Paul's great acknowledgement that sometimes things aren't very obvious. And we need, as, as the people of God, to use wise discernment to figure it out. He says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. So don't talk about that Netflix show, all right? Just don't take a part in it. And again, it doesn't have to be, uh, we don't have to be like these countercultural, you know, party crashers. We just, we just take our step out. I was at a party once with a bunch of young college-age students, and the kid whose house we were in, uh, his parents were home. And then all of these young, newly 21-year-olds, you know, they brought out the alcohol, and here's this high schooler who says, my parents know about this, and it's cool, and they're totally fine. And I just realized, I believe him. Like, I truly believe that he's telling me the truth, that his parents are okay, let him have a drink. But but I can't be at this party. 
Like, I can't. Because that's just, it's against the law. Like, I don't, I don't agree with it. And so I left. I didn't try to ruin their party. I just I said, I, I, I can't be here. And I walked away. And I don't know, but apparently that had a pretty significant effect in the party. Like, it's, it's just a little thing. It's just a little thing to say, like, I'm not going to shop there or I'm not going to eat there because of unjust labor practices. I'm not, I'm not going to buy that because of, of this. I'm not going to do that because I'm, I'm, I do these things instead. And we live differently. And we expose the darkness. Uh, or as was done to me when someone told me for the first time, he's like, no, I, I won't let you pirate my program because I believe that if you're going to use something, you should pay for it. He just said it like that. And I was like, oh, I feel so mean. How could you be mean to me by, by exposing me to the truth and the standard upon which you live? Like, how dare you do? Oh, dang it, he's right. Like, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And, that, and the world knows it. And sometimes when you take a stand, people will hate you for it. I mean, come on, your roommates are mad when you want to do your homework rather than watch TV. So, like, it's not that surprising that when we as Christians don't want to partake with them, they're not going to understand. But, but when we live as light, we expose the darkness, and Paul says something really cool can happen. He says, everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. It, it's a little unclear exactly what he's saying, but it seems to indicate that sometimes lost people get saved when they see the distinctive way that Christians live. And this is why it says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. That's the hope, that the light of Jesus would so fill us that we would spread his light to others. So that other people too, who are spiritually dead, would wake up and see the light of Christ. This is how we walk worthy. We build the church and we live a distinctive communal life together. I know a guy who was kind of on the periphery of checking Jesus out. And then one day he showed up to a party of Christians. It was a wedding. And he said when he walked in the door, he says, I've never experienced so much love in one room before. And it changed his life. It changed his life. Why? Because our life together says something. It says something about who we are. And so I don't have a pulpit. You know, we could try to pound it and say like, live differently, live holy lives, stop doing all those bad things and everything else. Um, you know, and maybe one or two of you guys need that. Maybe you need just like someone to just come and just like stare you in the face and say, stop it. Like, okay. Um, you know, but Paul says like our, you know, this, this transformation, progressively, it happens when our minds are renewed. So if I'm going to tell you something to do today, I, like, I don't know where you are. I don't know if thievery or, or sexual immorality or sin or, or lying or, or bitter words and anger, like, I don't know where on the map you are, but this I'd say, the truth is in Jesus. Like, if we want to change, our minds need to be transformed, all right? We can't change our hearts. God can, is the only one who can do that, and he has done it. Like, if you're here, if you trust in Jesus, all right, God has taken care of your heart, and he's empowered you with his Holy Spirit. So now fix your eyes on Jesus and imitate him. And let us learn of him and love him 
and, and consistently go back to him over and over and progressively find that our behaviors change. And sometimes it's going to be depressing. I, I don't know about you guys, but like I, I lose patience with people, my children in particular, and I think about the fact that Jesus would not be losing his, his temper right now. And I recognize that I'm, I'm not him. And so sometimes I just have to repent and ask God to, to help me again. And then every once in a while, like, I wake up to the fact that I'm, I'm different because of Jesus. And it was, just, it was just a joy to see that even, like, Thursday, I pulled into the library, and there's this homeless guy there in a sleeping bag. And my attitudes toward the homeless have just run the entire gamut of, of the years that I've gotten to be here um, at a certain point of, like, break-ins and conflicts and, and questions. and argue, Like, there's been a lot. But I recognize, like, here is someone who, due to a variety and a number of decisions that they have made, um, are here on the streets. Now, there's, there's more things going on than just that, but this person has made choices that have helped to bring them here. And I have recently just realized that I serve a God that, that didn't wait for me to earn it in order to bless me. And he didn't wait for me to respond appropriately before he blessed me again. He just kept loving, kept blessing, because it wasn't about me, it was about him and his grace. And so more and more, I find my heart breaking for the people on the streets to say, you know what, you know, yes, I know boundaries must be enforced, and there's things that we, and I don't know the solution, but I just told the guy, I'm like, you need, like, comprehensive help, and I've got, like, 20 minutes, like, do you want to ride to the shelter? And he says, I, I could use a ride to the hospital. I said, okay, I'll drive you to the hospital if you're ready to go right now because I don't have time. And so we just drove to the hospital and he just shared you know, his, a little bit of his story about all of these various factors that are keeping him on the streets. You know, The drug, but you can't get a job. You don't have an ID. You don't have a social security uh, number, card. You don't have an address to receive mail. And so you have money waiting for you somewhere in an account, but you can't access it, and you're just here soaking wet and cold and, and miserable and in pain. I'm like, man, you, you need Jesus. You need community. You need a whole lot. And I can't, I just can't provide that, but I can give you a trip to the hospital right now. And, and it's not a lot. Again, it, it, like, it's nothing much many of you guys do more like on a day-to-day basis, but for me, it was just like one more reminder, like, oh, God is working on me because I'm not just looking past them and I'm not right now getting angry at them. Like, I, I can care about them. And so when I, when I hear about like the, the safety rest village that's coming in next door, like, I'm excited. Do they deserve it? Like, that's just the wrong question to ask. Are we the kind of people that have been blessed by God in order to be a blessing? Like, maybe that's the right question. So how can we love? How can we serve? How can we live differently? Live, live a holy life. Just think, whatever that means in, in our marriages and our relationships with the words we speak and in, and in the workplaces that you guys go out to, like, be holy. This is how we walk worthy because God has poured so much blessings into our life. And with this great power, this great blessing, yes, comes a responsibility. Again, not to earn it, not to think that we're superior to other people, but simply to, to live it out by the grace of God, together, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious Father, you are holy and good, and you have loved us, and you have blessed us in your Son.
Father, I do pray for strength for all of us that we would understand just how much you love us, how good you are, how compassionate. Um, That we would endeavor together to look like you by looking at your son and being transformed into his likeness uh, one step at a time. Father, I pray for strength to uh, not ignore the promptings of your spirit. So, Lord, uh, give me, I need patience and help me in my anger to not sin. Father, some people here, they, they need self-control and they need your strength to walk away uh, from, from the stuff that they're doing. I pray that they'd have strength to just tell someone and say, this is what I'm struggling with and ask for help. God, I pray that we'd be a, a place where our relationships with one another um, are pure, where we are building one another up constantly and not taking from each other and not using one another or manipulating one another for what we can get out of it, but that we uh, enjoy would say, like, how can I be a blessing today to you? Because God, you have blessed us and you keep blessing us and you will keep blessing us forever because you have destined us to be with you in your son for all the ages to come. So be praised, Father, in your people and teach us to walk worthy. Help us to build this church up and help us to live a a distinctive kind of life together. Amen.